A reading from the prophet Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. Prince of Peace, we seek you. In far off lands, your children flee their homes pursued by violence. In our community, we know not all our neighbors are safe from brutality. Prince of Peace, we seek you. You sent your son Jesus to bring your peace and comfort to the world. In this season of Advent, renew and strengthen us in a commitment to your peace that surpasses all understanding. Prince of Peace, we seek you. May your peace fill our hearts and grace our lips so that we might be agents of your peace in the world. Amen. Many thanks to the Ashworth family for that reading of scripture and for lighting the second candle in the Advent wreath. Last Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope. For this Sunday, the second Sunday in the Advent season, we light not only that first candle, but the second candle as well, the candle of peace. And we look together at one of the most famous portrayals of peace in all of our scriptures. You might have noticed these words from Isaiah 2 occur not once but twice in the Old Testament. The center of today's text from Isaiah 2 verses 2 through 4 show up nearly verbatim in the book of Micah chapter 4. And this has led scholars to speculate, is Isaiah quoting Micah? Is Micah quoting Isaiah? Or are both 8th century BCE Jewish prophets quoting an even earlier source? We aren't sure. But what we do know is that those who compiled both the books of Isaiah and of Micah thought this particular passage was so vital, so important, and so interconnected to the messages of both Isaiah and Micah that this text made it into both of those books in the Hebrew Scriptures. But even if this passage showed up not twice but just once, I think it would be celebrated and renowned. For the imagery of people traveling to Mount Zion, of God speaking and administering justice, of people beating their swords into plowshares, it's visual and arresting. 
And it leaves a picture in our minds of what true peace can look like. No wonder this particular text of scripture has inspired many an artist like the sculptor Eugeni Vucetsic. He crafted this piece, which now stands in the North Garden of the United Nations headquarters in New York City. Engraved on the sculpture is the summons, let us beat swords into plowshares. His piece depicts a blacksmith's hammer enacting precisely that transformation. What a great visual challenge to greet ambassadors from nations all over the world. The sculpture points those national representatives to this famous passage from Isaiah and from Micah. And it asks them, cannot we too beat sword into plowshare and forge not war, but peace? The original vision of Isaiah and of Micah imagined, of course, that the meeting place of people would be not New York City, but rather Mount Zion. Jerusalem would be the natural meeting spot from the perspective of an 8th century BCE Jewish prophet. For there, at the city of David, Torah, or instruction would be read. People could hear the law and commandments there in Jerusalem. The temple or the house of the Lord stood, at least in those times in history when it had not been destroyed by a foreign power. In Jerusalem, as the prophet Isaiah especially imagines it, a God was worshipped, who was not simply the God of one tribe and people, but the God of all tribes and peoples. We read later in Isaiah chapter 56 of how God's temple standing on Mount Zion would be a house of prayer for all peoples, all who seek and serve God, all who seek justice. A remarkable thing about the faith of ancient Israel is that they looked to a God not simply of one tribe and people, but of all tribes and peoples, the very creator of heaven and earth. That God may have chosen a particular people, the people of ancient Israel, to communicate God's message and blessing. But the message and blessing is ultimately for all nations, Jerusalem. As Isaiah's vision imagines, it was a place from which God's light might go out to bless, instruct, and guide all peoples. Well, one reason today's text is such a celebrated portrait of peace is that it paints a vivid picture of awareness and attentiveness to God's word. It describes an eager, open-hearted encounter with God and God's instruction. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord that he may teach us his ways, the people say. That journey and encounter with God's word leads to transformation. Peace, as Isaiah described it, is a life shaped by God's word. So one reason we continue to worship each Sunday, even when we can do so only remotely, one reason we're hosting daily scripture readings each morning of Advent is that we believe peace can come from a rich interaction with God's word and engagement like we see taking place in Isaiah 2. And here's the good news. Even in stay-at-home days, you can still hear God's word. You can still read scripture as an individual or as a family, or better yet, you can hear it read by members of Knox, like the Ashworth family. 
And you can still know the love and presence of the living word, the one who came saying to his followers, peace be with you, my peace I give to you. As Christians, we believe God's peace came near to us in Jesus Christ, the very peace that prophets like Isaiah and Micah foretold. He was, we proclaim, the living word. Peace for Christians is life in close relationship with the Word of God, the Word of God written, that is, Scripture, and the living Word that we call Jesus the Christ. But out of that encounter with God's Word, we hear of this transformation taking place in Isaiah 2. The peoples and nations drawn to Jerusalem shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. The peace that comes from being shaped by God and God's word is a shift from one way of life to another. Part of the power of today's text is it shows us what God-inspired peace is not, what we are turning from when we embrace God's peace. Sometimes it can be helpful to get at something by pointing to its opposite. If you want to describe calm, one way to do so is to look at a picture of a sea in a raging storm and say calm is the opposite of this. One way to define day is to look at a dark sky once the sun has gone down and say day is the opposite of this. And so to get at peace, God-inspired peace, it can be helpful to speak of what peace is not. In today's passage, we read peace is not sword and spear. Peace is not the study of war. Peace is not nation lifting up sword against nation. Here's a sculpture from Chris Sladoff entitled, Sculpture for Peace. And I love how it points to the kind of peace lifted up in today's passage, a peace that is not war, sword, or spear. The woman in this sculpture might be a mother who has lost a son or daughter to war, or she might have lost a brother or sister or friend to some act of violence, or she might have looked out on her world one day and said there is simply too much killing. The sculpture had been originally imagined as part of a Sculpture for Peace project this congregation had helped sponsor. We'd supported a Pasadena gun buyback program years back to help get guns off the streets. And we imagined such guns might be melted and shaped into a sculpture like this one. We hoped it could be put in a public space, serving as a memorial to victims of gun violence. Even though we were not successful in getting the funding and permitting required, still I'm grateful Chris went ahead and rendered this powerful piece in bronze. For even if it's not made from recycled guns, it still points to that great vision of peace in Isaiah, peace that is not the sword or the gun. But today's passage from Isaiah tells us not only what peace is not, We also read what peace is. Peace is not sword and spear. Peace is plowshare and pruning hook. A plowshare is that sharp bottom or leading edge of a plow that cuts into the earth. In this picture, it's shown near the bottom, attached by screws to the larger mold board of the plow. 
The plowshare is a sharp tool used by farmers for turning the earth, cultivating it, preparing it for planting. And so the piece of plowshare and pruning hook is the piece of cultivating food and growing it. It's the piece of good, honest work that feeds the hungry and cultivates sustainably the earth from which it came. One of the great portraits and literature of that piece, the piece of plowshare and pruning hook, the piece of honest work farming the land can be found in Leo Tolstoy's novel, Anna Karenina. The character of Levin in that novel owns a large estate. He's the manager of the property and its workers. He doesn't need to join them as they work to harvest hay. In fact, Levin's brother thinks he's crazy to do so, but Levin finds himself drawn to the deep interaction with the earth. He sees the peasants enjoying as they work up a deep sweat swinging the save. Levin joins them in their work one day and takes pointers from one of them as to how best to swing the save. Tolstoy writes of Levin's experience this way. The longer Levin mowed, the oftener he felt the moments of unconsciousness in which it seemed not his hands that swung the save, but the save mowing of itself, a body full of life and consciousness of its own, and as though by magic without thinking of it, the work turned out regular and well finished of itself. These were the most blissful moments. Jeremy Hastings is a modern save swinger. He works areas of land in the inner Hebrides of Scotland that are too small or remote for modern mowers to reach. And he notes the beauty and peace of the ancient say, the beauty like that of the ancient plowshare or pruning hook, a beauty conveyed in this painting by Winslow Homer. Hastings notes the save is faster than a modern weed whacker. It doesn't produce pollution or burn fossil fuels. It allows one to be part of nature rather than striving against it. The save binds you to the landscape, Hastings writes. He loves the meditative act of scathing. Peace, according to Isaiah 2, is plowshare and pruning hook, save and shovel. Peace is interaction with the earth in a way that's healthy for the body and soul and sustainable for the earth as well. Peace, as Isaiah portrays it, is not stasis or inaction. Peace is having good, honest work to do. Peace is active engagement with the earth such that we and our neighbor and the earth are nourished. The peace of plowshare and pruning hook, the peace of good work cultivating creation, that's part of what inspired our sustainability mission team, led by James Curtis and Isaiah Givens to pursue planting a small community garden on the Knox campus. Now, to be clear, the sustainability mission team does not imagine this will impact hunger. Union Station, a mission partner of Knox, the Presbyterian Hunger Program, or the Pasadena City College Food Distribution Program taking place on Knox campus, those are more effective means of addressing hunger. But a community garden has symbolic power, the way the plowshare and pruning hook have symbolic power. They offer a small portrait of some of what God-inspired peace can look like. 
peace as we know it as Christians, is life with God, life nurtured by God's word as we see each Sunday in worship in person or remotely. Peace is a place without war and killing, and I certainly hope people see that in us and in our campus. But wouldn't it be great if people could also glimpse how here at Knox we also know the peace of shovel and rake, the earth cultivated and food grown. For that is part of the peace God gives too, isn't it? And what a powerful shift it is when our tools, our minds, our resources can be directed even in part away from sword and spear toward plowshare and pruning hook. What if we were able to focus in our minds and hearts less energy on the question of how to overpower our enemies by military might and more on the question of how we can cultivate, till, and care for the earth such that we and our neighbors are fed? Imagine if we could shift as a nation just a portion of the $732 billion we spent on war in fiscal year 2019, a budget greater than the military budgets of the next 10 countries combined, and devote even a portion of those resources to alleviating hunger or developing sustainable farming practices or ensuring farmers, migrant farmers especially, who are so vulnerable might be better protected when their health is at such great risk in these pandemic days? Would that be so radical to transition even a portion of our resources from sword and spear to plowshare and pruning hook? Scripture doesn't think so. According to Isaiah and Micah, such a move looks a lot like peace, the kind of peace God's word inspires in a people. Well, friends, in these days of COVID-19, especially, I wish for you, for our congregation, for Pasadena, for our nation, and for our world, peace, true peace. And what do I mean by peace? Just what Isaiah chapter 2 means by peace. I wish for you and the world the peace that comes from knowing the life-giving, soul-renewing, forgiveness-bestowing love of God. As Christians, we believe that love came near to us in Jesus the Christ, and we receive it by faith. And with faith, we know peace, even in tumultuous times, a peace of being shaped and accompanied by God's word. I wish for you and all the world the peace that marks an end to war, an end to the prevalence of gun violence and nation lifting up sword against nation. And I wish for you and for all the world the peace of plowshare and pruning hook. I wish for you the peace of honest work that puts food on the table, feeds the hungry, and cultivates the precious earth God gave us. That is the peace Isaiah and Micah saw. May we see it too and pray this Advent it might come near, even as we pray, come Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen.
Well, this and every Sunday at Knox, we're invited to respond to God's word and God's call on us in response to our gracious God. We engage in acts of love and service. We share the good news of Jesus Christ. We pursue justice and peace. We live generously. If you would like to serve on one of our committees or outreach or mission and justice teams or simply learn more about them, please contact a member of the Knox staff. We would love to let you know of ways you can get involved. And if you'd like to contribute financially to the ministry of Knox, you can click the link in the comments section or go to the Knox website and click give. And now let's pray. Faithful God, we give you thanks for the peace you give us, the peace you promise, the peace you call us to enact. Thank you that peace came near to us in Christ and may it shine forth in us. Strengthen our testimony and spiritual gifts. Increase generosity in us, we pray, as we wait for the coming day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.